fingers again. everyone, welcome back to the Underrated Podcast. This is a podcast that discusses underrated films, underappreciated films, and the ones that have slipped under the radar and passed most people by. I am your host, Derek McDuff, and right now we've got in, we're doing a thing where we're having a few guest co-hosts come by, and today is someone that I've kind of mentioned before on the podcast a couple times, not by name, but I've mentioned someone who is my quote-unquote movie friend, who I talk to about movies. And that is my good friend, Marion. How's it going, Marion? Hello. I just waved on a audio medium. <laughs> <laughs> so, thank you for coming on. Uh, you are not a podcaster. Nope. <laughs> but you are someone who knows a shit ton about movies and who I've had many, many good movie discussions with. And, you know, I've been having a lot of fun doing all these different guest co-hosts so i wanted to have you on so thank you thank you for coming on and bringing some unique insights well thank you for having me <laughs> yeah and uh so we'll get to the film that we're going to be discussing today i sent you a list of movies that i might want to talk about and you picked sinister the what, 2016 scott derrickson directed film um why was it that you chose this movie um for a number of reasons one, I really like horror, and so I thought this was a pretty good horror movie. Two, Ethan Hawke spends the entire movie in cozy sweaters, and that's just fucking <laughs> fantastic. And uh, three, I just really enjoyed the film when I first saw it in theaters back in 2016, apparently. That's, I mean, I need, I need to double check myself on that. I usually have my, my notes up. No, I think you're probably setup. right. I just feel fucking old right now. <laughs> <laughs> right? Oh my god. Uh, 2012. Oh my god. 2012. No, how dare you, Derek? We were, how I think, dare you? I think 2016 no, might be Sinister 2. This was released in 2016 <laughs> in some theater. <laughs> yeah, sure. There was some kind of revival around right, Halloween. Yeah, you know how I'm it is. sure. I'm sure. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, no, I also obviously really love this movie. I am much less of a horror person than you, but I still really like certain horror films. And I think the ones that I tend to gravitate towards more are the ones that are all about the kind of spooky vibes. Movies that make you feel... I feel like a lot of the horror films that made me, for at least a little while, dislike the genre are ones that are like more about jump scares. Mm. It's more about surprise than putting you in this really anxious attitude. And I think that's becoming more and more prevalent with, you know, this was made obviously by Blumhouse, A24, is is really famous for that. We just had both seen Talk to Me recently, and I know that some you know we both enjoyed the film to varying extents. And I think that's becoming more and more prevalent as horror kind of evolves. Um, I don't know. What do you think about that? I think for the most part, you're right. I mean, it started with like Paranormal Activity becoming such a huge sort of uh, moment in cinema history because that movie cost like too grand to make yeah. and it made so much fucking money basically on word of mouth alone mm -hmm. and it is a very much a vibes thing because it's literally just a lady standing on a, over her husband on a fucking webcam for like three <laughs> hours you know and then something spooky happens at the end so it's sort of since that people have realized that horror has a lot of interesting ideas you can very easily explore for not a lot of money which is why you know the purge movies happened and a ton of other things so it's just sort of 
evolved as a genre, honestly, going back to Blair Witch. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I guess I kind of agree with you. I mean, I, I love all horror equally, including the really shitty ones, because, <laughs> you know, as, as bad of a day as you're having, at least you don't got like a Jason Voorhees problem, you know? But, um, right. <laughs> yeah, yet. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I, I, t- I agree with you, and especially with the prevalence of A24 horror movies, it's, they've really sort of taken the ball and run with it genre-wise. Yeah, and that's not to say I like really dislike other horror films. They just don't really get me like you know yeah that's fair um like jason takes manhattan not scary but it's a lot of fun not a good movie but hey i I had a good time watching it i kind of disagree with you on the fun on that one (laughs) it's it's very boring maybe maybe it was just nostalgia uh because you know that one was always on the sci-fi channel (laughs) i I do like when they do like that friday the 13th marathons and you randomly turn it on and you realize it's friday the 13th part like seven and you're just like jesus how many of these are there (laughs) (laughs) also strangely not one for a while like i think the rights are all weirdly tied up or whatever yeah but now a24 is gonna make like a prequel or something i think to talk to me to um friday the 13th oh yeah that tv show done by um what's his name brian fuller yes yeah which i'm i'm excited for it'll be interesting yeah brian yeah. fuller is an interesting uh tv guy yeah he always stays with the show for like one season and then leaves <laughs> right and that season is always incredible like some of the best tv ever yeah i mean i haven't seen um American Gods, but I yeah, that's that's things. the same one that I, I yeah I've heard good things about <laughs> season one. That's the one thing of his yeah. that I haven't seen. But yeah, but back to Sinister. <laughs> the I I really love how this movie starts. Uh, that grainy eight mm. millimeter footage. It just really puts you in the mindset of like this is what this movie is going to be. Yeah, and you know they return to it a number of times. And some, the reason I like this better than something like Skinnerink is like Skinnerink feels like it's that kind of creepy, disturbing vibes wall to wall. Yeah. But it once like that's all it is, it kind of loses its effect when it's kind of just punctuated at certain points and you're building up to it and these it's these little bursts. It's really effective and a lot of them are even shorter than I remember. Like in my memory, it's like this Mandela effect I have on. Mm. My, it's like I remember that lawnmower scene. And I remember it being long. Like, I, it, my memory was, I remember, like, seeing, like, a head getting cut up into pieces by the lawnmower. But the movie does such a good job of, like, showing you just the lead up to that and then Ethan Hawke's reaction. Yeah. It does, it's like the thing with, like, uh, how in Castaway, people are, are convinced that they're like, oh, yeah, there used to be that scene where Tom Hanks tries to kill himself. And he just, like, references it. But they're like, no, no, it was in the theatrical, the one, it was in the VHS. But that scene, like, never existed. But the movie does such a good job of, like, telling you about that scene and putting it in your mind that you actually have a memory of it. And then when I watched it, not this time, but, like, about a year ago over Halloween, I was like, that's all that there is in the lawnmower scene? Yeah, it kind of edges you with what happens to the, uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> what happens to the family, if you, if you will. <laughs> yeah, sure. And, yeah, just, like, the silent stuff with the just really disturbing... Ooh grainy visuals and that score yeah that sort doing, of janky score mm-hmm, just, just like something hitting something you know? yeah it's it's yeah. incredibly unnerving and it it's so good what's your favorite of those eight millimeter films that's for, for you know using the word favorite very right yeah <laughs> i i think it it's in my memory it's the lawnmower one but like okay. i said it's, it doesn't go as long as i think but i think maybe that is what makes it so effective is that it does such a good job of setting up and like establishing everything and making you feel 
just so unnerved mm. that you're like you you it's even better than like it's you it puts the memories in your head it makes you do the work and i think that's also just like the worst way to die oh yeah like, uh, by far yeah. well maybe the getting set on fire in a car one, yeah just because that's yeah. a slow death you know uh, I, mean, all I, of them are, I think except for the lawnmower all of them are kind of slow it's like drowning you're right, you're slowly right. hanging so those are all bad well the throat cutting that's pretty quick that's true that's, <laughs> that's true. nice yeah. i guess <laughs> <laughs> and the uh, axe murder at the end yeah which spoilers well, again yeah yeah no no spoilers okay. on this show <laughs> which you don't see you know it's another yeah, thing yeah. like you don't see it's just like you don't even see I'm really glad you don't see like you see Ethan Hawke mm-hmm. tied up on the floor, right? But you and, or and like his, and you see like his wife in the background yeah. and stuff. Julie Ryland. Mm-hmm. Um, she really did a mark, by the way. Yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. I saw. I saw daughter, her credit. I think. Okay, yeah. that makes a lot of sense. Because um, she, she hasn't really been in anything else. She was in the Nick as one of the main characters in okay. that, and she pops up every once in a while. She was just recently in something, and it'll come to me later. But okay. um, yeah, she's in things. Mm. But yeah, I'm really glad you don't have to see them. You well, know. yeah, that's one thing I actually really like about Sinister is Ethan Hawke is just an asshole. Like, yes, his character is say such yes. a dick. <laughs> but like, you know, he's still kind of compelling in this. Like, he's sort of relatable because he wants to. You get mm-hmm. the wanting money for his family thing, but he's just we're gonna move into a murder house, and I'm not gonna tell anyone because I'm an asshole. You know. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and slight spoilers for talk to me, but like uh, I, my favorite horror movies are the ones where the main character sucks a okay. lot, but I also kind of relate to them. Right. And I don't want them to win. I want them to kind of be quote unquote punished or whatever at the mm-hmm. end. But I still relate to them a lot, and I really relate to like Ethan Hawke. I'm like, wow, you suck, but like I can under I understand him so well okay. being a writer. <laughs> someone who's like oh yeah like i'm a writer who doesn't really want to have a fan like a family and stuff like that and who you know when he talks about like these books are my legacy like that's if i had a wife and kids i would also have trouble probably <laughs> and that's why i don't want to have a family because it's like because you don't want to have to be it like sorry son it's your birthday but you're not my legacy exactly yeah <laughs> and I, like when he talks about they like like he's like oh i can't go write textbooks or can't mm. i can't go teach or anything like that like he he's like because he's like, oh, I gotta provide for my family. It's yeah. like there, they multiple times are like, there are other ways for you to provide for your family. You are doing this because you want to relive your glory days. You are going back and rewatching like you getting interviewed by Pert Happily or whatever. <laughs> like, um, so I, I really related to him, but in a way that I'm just like, these are the parts of myself that like I wouldn't mm. like the road that I wouldn't want to go down. The parts of myself that maybe I don't like, and yeah. it's just kind of cathartic when you see like the, him just getting what he deserved, you know. <laughs> Yeah, no, I I like that he's just an unrepentant asshole the entire movie. I also like that they kind of do a bait and switch with the kids because you'd think it'd be mm. the creepy sleepwalking one in America, yeah. but no, it's the daughter who paints on walls. Yes, yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Once again, it's like one of these sons that like no one cares. He's like right. a kid. He's like the son in the Americans, yeah, like he's no. the box sleeper, Ooh. Yeah. Ooh. <laughs> which is fucking weird, you know? Yeah, it's kind of creepy, you know, whatever. Yeah. But yeah, good. One thing too about the kids is. What I really like about this movie hmm. is that, uh, and as opposed to like a slasher movie, is that Bagul himself isn't the one getting you. 
Right. He's he's like this spooky demonic force. It's not like you're gonna run away from him like he's Michael Myers or something, you know? Yeah. It's like, oh no, he corrupts someone around you mm-hmm. and then you get killed by your own kid. That's so creepy. I also like that the smart thing to do is the wrong thing to do. You know, leaving oh. the creepy house mm-hmm. is the wrong move. Exactly. I, I think that's a cool sort of twist on a, you know, well-known trope, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's like, okay, fine. It's it's a, he's finally like after like every like there's a million signs that he right. should leave and leave and leave and leave and then it's like finally he takes the hint yeah he gets out of dodge and you and kind of have that fake happy ending for right. a second and then you get that phone call from Ziggy Sabatka being like dude you should not have left the house <laughs> <laughs> oops oops and then yeah it all just like he drinks like a glow right. stick out of a cup apparently <laughs> and yeah those kids always be poisoning you with glow sticks that's you know? how it goes you know. You never drink predator blood, kids. So. <laughs> but you you brought up Deputy So and So, as he's called in film, which I don't think he's actually ever given a name. He's not. He's not even given a name in the sequel, which is really cool. Okay. Yeah. Which I did. You ever watch the sequel? I saw it when it came out in theaters, but my memory of it is very okay. It's yeah. interesting because I what I remember of it, which it's not streaming anywhere. Otherwise, I would have rewatched it, but. He shows up at someone's house who's having the bejewel problem, or whatever the guy's name is. <laughs> and he's like, dude, you can't leave. I know this bad shit is happening mm-hmm. to you, but you leave, you die. And yeah. so it's kind of him trying to deal with, like, that. Mm-hmm. But I can't remember how it ends or anything like that. Okay. Does Vinny D also Skype someone? I'm so sorry. I can't <laughs> it's okay. Well, I mean... So I love this movie. I remember they, Scott Derrickson was originally going to mm-hmm. do the sequel, but he didn't come back, so I kind of like lost interest. Okay. I think it's because he went to go do Doctor Strange yeah. in 2016. That's what, what came mean? out in 2016. That's why I was thinking that. There you go. Well, uh, I'm going with the headcanon that this okay. came out in 2016, so I'm not so old. <laughs> right. Fair enough. <laughs> yeah, I'm rewriting history. <laughs> We're not in our 30s. No, 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 no. <laughs> but I think that Deputy So-and-So is really great in this movie mm. because I think you really need that break from the tension yeah. you need that and james ransom's always been really good at that mm-hmm. he, he kind of served the same purpose as being like a, a hapless screw up in the wire and like he does the same thing in uh, it chapter two mm. he's very good oh, yeah, at being in that. horror movies or you know sort of very dramatic situations and breaking up the shit that yeah. it is yeah because you you need to take a breath you, you need do. after you because it's like he always comes in after like the grainy gnarly right. stuff after like ethan hawk has been running yeah. around there's like ghost children chasing him and he's got an axe mm-hmm. and you you need to catch your breath a yeah. little bit so i think he serves a very and he's like you said he's so good he is he's hilarious like you yeah. know and he's 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 kind of village but he's not like he does make a point of like he has a degree in criminology he's right. not like he's, he's not someone you can easily dismiss because he is someone with a valid point like i would not send him spend a night in the murder house when he says that you know yeah like, yeah what the fuck yeah he's like i believe in all of this what yeah. are you doing bro yeah he's a fantastic sort of foil to ethan hawk and mm-hmm. while also you know not being overused which is something easy to do in yeah. these type of movies exactly he doesn't come until about the one third mark you know right. like, he is in the beginning you know for mm-hmm. a little bit but yeah, yeah he doesn't really become a character so. yeah yeah so he he's yeah. he's really well utilized yes. i think yeah this film has a pretty small cast you know like mm-hmm. you said like we said Vinny d on the the skype right you the only two have, scenes yeah, yeah. The two scenes he you did see, not leave like, this house for yeah this. <laughs> and I, I i really like the way that he the exposition is doled out with him like yeah. it feels very natural yeah um and i i, I also just like 100 my jam is the like spooky demonic cults in the modern day like okay. i i really like that vibe it's like almost like what like low like low fantasy where you've got you know like fantasy in the modern age this is like that but like 
horror. It's like low horror, like, you know, yeah. something like Hereditary or like The Gate. Did you ever see that movie from like... I did. It's Stephen Dorff. Yeah. <laughs> like the 80s or whatever. Okay, as one of Stephen Dorff's biggest fans, and you bet your ass I've seen Of course. <laughs> Stephen Dorff and James Badge Dale, you're leading the fan clubs. Yeah, when Mahershala Ali was cast as Blade, I made a, a Stephen Dorff joke based on him being in the first Blade and, and also in True Detective Season 3, and then no one got it, and I felt sad. It's okay, it's okay. <laughs> Like half the jokes I make on this show, nobody gets them. Fair. <laughs> so there's two of us. Yeah, there we go. But yeah, uh, so you know, we talked about how in Sinister Two, you know, it's it's probably it doesn't really recapture this, but one that I I tried to rewatch over this pod mm. before this podcast, and I just ran out of time because I'm doing packing and stuff sure. like that. But did you see the Black Phone? Uh yes, uh, well, I saw it last year, I think. Okay, yeah, I mean, yeah, it came out last yeah. year and. You know, that's Scott Derrickson's mm-hmm. kind of horror follow-up to this. Right, his, that, like, return, if yeah, you will. which he, you know, he famously dropped out of doing Doctor Strange 2 do that. And the reason I bring it up is because, you know, he talked about him wanting to do it because of, like, these childhood... You know, something he went through in his childhood. I wouldn't say traumas. You right, know, let's hope it's but, not what happened yeah, to Black Phone. Yeah. <laughs> you know, that movie is famously written by... Uh, Joe Hill, whose mm. real name is Joe King, the son of Stephen King, mm-hmm. who famously wrote The Shining about all the, you know, the stuff about being a dad and being a famous writer. Mm-hmm. And so that that movie feel so, you know, with knowing what we know about Joe Hill, knowing what we know about, and the black phone about these two guys, it seems like, you know, maybe there's something there about, like, the, having this dad who is, he's, he's too, more concerned with his own legacy his own creative process than being a dad. Because you kind of always hear about that. You hear about that from, like, Duncan Jones and people like, like you know, David mm-hmm. Bowie's son and people like that who they're like, yeah, my dad is great. Everybody loves my dad, you know, um, and I love my dad. But there's there's maybe that disconnect there of, like, I wasn't as important in the work. And I think that's something that thematically comes through here. Mm-hmm. And a reason that I like this movie a it's one of my favorite horror films is because there is a lot of meat on the bone. There, there is, is there is a lot of thematic substance here that is not just like, hey, this is a metaphor for grief. It's it's a right. lot it's a lot in this and the characters feel that there's not there's not very many characters mm-hmm. and a lot of them don't have any very much screen time other than Ethan Hawke and his wife, Juliet Rylance. But they do feel fully realized, like, real people. They do. They're very well-written as characters. And most of the time in horror movies, you just sort of have one character trait per person. And, and they really don't. And it's it's refreshing. And she's not just, like, a nagging wife. She has interesting points and stuff. And, like, mm. he's just an asshole, really, yeah. at the end of the day. Like, it, they're, they're really well-developed, both mm. of them. The kids, not so much, but they don't really need to be, you know? Yeah, yeah. They're exactly they're just kids in, in a horror movie, right. you know? Like, and yeah, one's creepy, one's not. Yeah. But turns out to be. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, even, like, the kids in, like, Jurassic Park, I don't think, yeah. are, like, incredibly well-written, you right. know? They're, like, one's a hacker and yep, one likes yep. dinosaurs, you know? Yeah, you know. <laughs> you get one character trait per kid. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah, like you said, the parents feel so real. Mm-hmm. And, like, one of the best scenes, I think, in the whole movie is not even... A scary scene at all, but it's when the two of them get in that big argument at the kind of beginning of the third act. Yeah, and you really get such a good sense of, and you're just like, dude, you you fucking suck so much. You need to like listen to everything. Like she, everything she's saying is a hundred percent right, mm-hmm. and he's just like 
He's like, yeah, so what? She had like, and he's just trying to explain everything right. away. Yeah. And she's like, dude, you moved us into a fucking murder house and you didn't tell me. Right. And he's like, oh yeah, but you you said you don't want, and like, he, it's just like, man, you suck. And you still like understand him, but like they, and they both feel so, so real in that moment. And it feels like something out of a, just a drama, mm-hmm. you know? And I think that has been part of this trend we were talking about of these horror movies making characters feel like they are actually in a drama or something like that in a, a more, a, you know, I'm not, I'm not trying to like rag on horror movies, but they are in something that feels deep and real, just like family kind of tragedy happening with them. Yeah. For the, the kind of seem like, I don't know. You can't say like realistic because realistically, mm-hmm. I don't think, Bejeweled. I know he has an actual name. Ba- I'm Ba-Ghoul. going with Bejeweled. <laughs> yeah, I don't think he actually exists in his ten children <laughs> and uh, you know hilarious parent murderers. But um, <laughs> but like yeah, they they do seem like people who would real people in an extreme situation. You know. Yeah, yeah. They're they're very well realized. Yeah, absolutely. And it, yeah, it goes back to you know what we were talking about when he uh, detective so and so sees him. Mm-hmm so strung out and he's like talking to him and he's and he brings up you know the he's like every time i see you, you've got a glass of whiskey and that's something that the movie yeah. makes a point of is like he's watching these horrible things and his coping mes- mechanism instead of being like hey let me you know because he has that moment he's like maybe i should call the cops yeah. no no i've got to do this myself right. and he's instead of like talking to his wife or whatever he's just like throwing back a glass of whiskey. Well, I mean, in part of his defense, you know, the, the sheriff at the beginning was like, you're an asshole, what the fuck are you doing? Yeah. And like, so I would have a moment where I'm like, should I call the cops? But then I'd realize I just watched a snuff film. So yes, I should. But, yeah. Um, <laughs> and, but yeah, the, the, I love that they punctuated with the moment. He just like looks at his, he yeah. looks at his book, his one right. book, that, and yeah. it's been a success. Uh-huh. And I just love that he, he's probably a shitty true crime writer. Like he had one good book. Right. And, and then he had like a number of failures. Where he just accused the wrong guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It very hints. It hints that he like got the wrong guy. Right? Yes, yes, yeah. twice. It, yeah. it basically says, which also like I kind of like. I you know obviously there's like exceptions where there's like you know hey true crime has done some good stuff you know like I think Zodiac's really good you know the whole Michelle McNamara catching helping to catch mm-hmm. the Golden State Killer but I think like true crime documentaries and stuff like that are kind of exploitative and like some of the true crime writers I'm not saying everybody like can maybe take advantage of that and mm-hmm. this is just being like yeah this this guy you know that has that scene where it's like they're like what's much more important to you the justice or the fame and clearly he wants the fame but he's like oh, the justice yeah, you're not gonna be on national television being like oh i want the fame yeah, you, know? you, know? yeah. <laughs> you can't do that you then the world will know you're an asshole <laughs> <laughs> yeah. that's that stuff you keep behind closed doors <laughs> yeah but before before we started, you kind of said that you thought maybe this movie should have ended 30 seconds earlier. It doesn't need the jump scare at the end where Bejeweled, like, pops out and stares at you. Honestly, I, I completely agree. That's the one moment when I'm like, this movie, it has a one or two jump scares. It does, yeah. They're, but they're not really, they don't feel cheap ever. They feel like, like, oh... A lot of times they're in, like, the background or something, right. like, when he, sleep, like, sees the dog, and then there's just, like, four kids standing behind yeah. him, and you're like, oh, you know. That's sinister. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> movie I did not love is, but, or, I, I did, I'm sorry, I was thinking of Insidious, never mind. Mm. I always get those, do you always do that? I always get sinister and Insidious confused. No, because okay. Ethan Hawke and Patrick Wilson look nothing alike. <laughs> well, 
They have similar names. They came out around the same time. They're, yeah, but, but one's about different. a guy going to the Shadow Realm yes. because there's a weird creepy demon thing. And then the other one's about a guy being a dick. I know. <laughs> I, just the names throw me Fair off, enough. you know? Fair enough. But, uh, but yeah, I, I agree completely. Like, if it ended, you know, just you didn't have that last, like, yeah. it felt like that was like a studio note or something. Like, you've right. got to have, like, because otherwise, otherwise it just kind of, like, fades out and ends. And yeah. I feel like they're like, you've got to leave them with something. It feels like such a horror trope that... Maybe we hadn't got over in 2012. Yeah, I mean, I think they were also kind of trying to allude back to the Vincent Nafria line about how, um, you know, the belief is that when he's represented in physical media, that it is how you get haunted by it. So it's, you know, sort of trying to do that thing. Where it's kind it of breaking the fourth wall right, a little bit. Yeah, yeah, but it just doesn't really work. Yeah, I, I agree with it. It's like a good idea because it's like, oh, you know, when you watch these videos and it's, it's you know, this is nothing new. Like the ring right. obviously did it. But it is a really cool idea of, like, the whole meta, like, it's, here's a guy watching these basically horror films, mm -hmm. and by watching the horror films, he gives them power and lets yeah. them into his life. We, as an audience, have now done that. And right. it's trying to punctuate it with that, but like you said, the execution of it... It falls flat. It falls flat, you know? It's a little, like, goofy Halloween costume, you right. know, just like... And because Bagul is never... He's never the scary thing. He's always when he, you see him like crop through the background, you see him in like the water or something yeah. like that. He he's not what's gonna get you. He's gonna make someone else get you. It's the idea of the kids killing you that's even that's more terrifying. Yeah, you know it's their children, right? Yes. No one expects to be murdered by a child. <laughs> exactly. You're supposed to be these little golden wee baby like right. beacons of hope. Yeah. You know? But if you watch horror movies, like ninety percent of the time, those assholes end up haunted. So why the fuck would you <laughs> <Yeah>. want? <laughs> No offense to people who have children. I'm right. sure yours are fine. Yeah, yeah, yours are good as long as you're not like prioritizing your your writing or right. whatever in front of it. Also, and maybe just every once in a while ask if they've been possessed recently. Yeah. <laughs> also, that's why I that's part of the reason I write the library. I don't. I go somewhere else other than my house because he is in his house and is writing about all this spooky shit and it's making him crazy. I mean. I don't think writing the top 10 Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles movies is going to make me as crazy, but it's still good to have a secondary place to write. But but see, that's the problem, because Bejeweled will follow you home. <laughs> you, you pick him up in the library, and he hitchhikes home with you so there. So the haunted library? This is like, like an yeah, evil spooky... have you checked to make sure your library's not haunted? You know what? That's a good point. Next yeah. time I'm there... Ask the library. I'll be like, hey, is there any spooky ghosts or anything? Right. I am pretty sure that the bookstore I work at is haunted. Okay. You know, I mean, books will fall off shelves and stuff like that. Sure. And I've seen Ghostbusters. These things happen. Well, yeah, that that is a very well-known ghost phenomena. Mm -hmm. Have you seen any weird ooze? <laughs> ooze? Ooze. The Ghostbusters movies are chock full of ooze. Oh, oh, ooze. Like, like Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles yeah, 2. Yeah, like O-O-Z. Secret. Oh. However the rest you spell that word. <laughs> a lot of ooze and a lot of Zs, and I think it ends yeah. with an E. Right. I was going to get there yeah. eventually, but, you yeah. know, I can add. I can't spell. I, I haven't, I have not seen any ooze. Well, then you so, might be okay. I think I'm good. I think I'm good. I also have to ask you, in, was there any part of you that wanted to choose this movie because uh, we have maybe differing opinions on Ethan Hawke and you wanted me to watch an Ethan Hawke movie? No, to be honest with you, uh, my main thought about Ethan Hawke in this movie was his sweater. And I know you don't really like Ethan Hawke, and that's totally fair, but like, meh. I mean, this is... Not the best representation of him as an actor. It's him being the perfectly serviceable actor that he is. Because I, you know, yeah, because like I said, we have differing opinions. You mm -hmm. really like Ethan Hawke. I, <laughs> I think he kind of is a really great person and not a great actor. But I think that there are exceptions to that. And I think the exceptions are when he's kind of playing a guy who is 
maybe pseudo is a pseudo intellectual B, someone who's trying to seem like a nice guy, and C, is kind of a dick, which is why I think he's really good in the Before trilogy, and I actually think he's really good here. This is probably my favorite Ethan Hawke performance, if I'm being honest. Okay, that's fair. I mean, spoken like someone who's not a big fan of uh, Valerian and the City of a Thousand Planets. Um, well, <laughs> actually, actually, I've covered that on this podcast. That is... So you're saying you like him as a shitty uh, true crime writer more than sleazy space fan? Well, he's only like 15 <laughs> minutes of that movie when Rihanna becomes a main character randomly. I do like how you can remove the entire second act of that movie and it doesn't like a it, like a, a difference. Yeah, it's just like why was this here? Okay, cool, yeah. moving on. That right. is a, one of the most weirdly structured movies. I go into it on the whole episode. People okay. can go back and listen to that Valerian episode if they want to hear me talk more about it because that movie. I don't know if it's great, but it's like, I appreciate it. It's, it's a, baffling it's, is what it is. It's a big swing. It's it's weird. But yeah, um, yeah, he I, he wasn't in that a ton, but he, he's he's having fun being yeah. the scummy guy. But he's yeah. enjoying himself. I, I Yeah, I like it when he gets to enjoy himself. And I think... It's always nice when an actor enjoys himself. Yeah. And I think, you know, despite this movie being, you know, like creepy, awful, scary... I think he was enjoying himself. Like, mm-hmm. you know, he's he's got his, like, little subtle comedy that I think yeah. is well utilized, especially when he's playing off Detective So-and-so. Mm-hmm. I, I, you know, he's he's looking scared all the time, and he just, he sucks. He's really good at playing, playing someone who sucks, even though even Hawk doesn't suck. He's, he's really good at, like, kind of being like, hey, I'm such a nice guy, but also my family has to live in a murder house. <laughs> Look, sacrifices have to be made for greatness. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Those things, those things gotta gotta go down sometimes, you know. But in in watching it this time, I noticed uh, like there was a couple things that were kind of like I guess foreshadowed mm. a little bit at the end when Vincent D'Onofrio. Like I said, I I just love cult and demon stuff in the modern age when it's like yeah, whatever. Ooh, this this forgotten thing will get you, and I love that this is so obscure and. But some things that happen, like, when you see the images at the end, he's like, this mm-hmm. is all we could find. And one of them is of the scorpion. And oh, you're like... yeah. One of my favorite moments, really quickly, yeah, yeah. sidebar, is when he's up in the attic and he sees the scorpion and just immediately drops a box. Yeah. I just fucking love it's that. It's like, boom, wow. <laughs> I, I love that because you're like, oh, that's just like, okay, cool. Like, there's some danger here, but that clearly foreshadows. Like, right. like ooh, the bagul. He, yeah, like, yeah. the scorpion was there. It's, like, all connected, you know? Mm-hmm. And I just... It's one of those movies that just, like... It make it's like it hints at this big grand mythology that yeah. you only get to see parts of it. It only dips its toe in, mm-hmm. yeah. And it's like like it's I think Brandon Sanderson was talking about like when you are creating like a world, creating this big mythology, it's like painting like the mountains in the background. Okay. You're not painting every single detail of an entire landscape and all this stuff because that's impossible. But if you give like the details of the background, mm-hmm. it'll make it seem like it is a fully formed mountain range that actually exists back there and i think this movie does a really good job of being like oh yeah this goes back to the 60s but you know bagul has been around since who knows how many hundreds of years and here's these little fragments we're able to find and here's this like drawing of what looks like a drowning you know in purity yeah exactly yeah yeah. and it's like and there's you know story reasons for that Mm. to be all of it because it's like yeah he lives in the images Mm -hmm. which once again thematically ties back to the thing and it's like, oh, this is this is all we could get. And then we're just like, and I love how it's like, arguably, maybe not the time, but like Vincent D'Onofrio, like him and Ethan Hawke are like the most famous people in this movie by like a wide margin. Fair. And like, it's like, oh, who are we going to get to be in these two Skype scenes where he's just going to like 
just basically just be exposition. Yeah. And it's like, oh, let's get one of our greatest actors, Vincent D'Onofrio. Yeah, no, he's great. I, I do, and I, he gives very strong, like, I did not leave my house for this vibes, which I love, you yeah. know? <laughs> and I love at the end, he's just like, um, are you crazy? Like, what's, what's happening right now? Yeah, no, they're very well done scenes, and Vincent D'Onofrio sells it. Also, another scene I really like is the discussion about the squirrels with uh, yes. Deputy Stone. Yes. So. Uh, snakes they don't, don't have, have feet. feet. <laughs> yeah. Great line. Honestly, so, it's so good. It is. <laughs> yeah, and, you know, there, there's lots of great callbacks and, mm-hmm. like, things like that in the movie. Like, I love that scene when you... Because, you know, it starts out with, uh, it's a lot of show, don't tell. And it obviously, right. like, it does tell you, like, this is the house they lived in. But the first time... I like how it sh- doesn't really tell you that until you see the tree. That's exactly what I was just yeah. going to say. Yeah. Like, because you see that, that scene, it opens, mm-hmm. and you're like, whoa, what is this murder? And then, right. like, then it tells you, like, oh, there was the murder, like, mm-hmm. the girl, blah, blah, blah. And then it just, like, he's just, like, sipping a cup of coffee, and he, he sees yeah. the tree, and you're like, you son of a fucking bitch. Yeah, yeah. I really like that. And and it ended up beforehand when the sheriff's like, and I find this to be in bad taste, and mm-hmm. point to the house. You and know? you're like, what does that mean? And yeah, yeah and, and then it's like, like, oh, mm-hmm. this guy's a dick. Yep, yep. Yeah. Yeah, uh, absolutely. You'd also would have thought they would have removed that tree, but, you know. Right, yeah. <laughs> I was like, it's still there? Okay, yeah. okay. I guess realtors and I make different life choices, right? Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. But yeah, um, yeah, so I think, you know, like I said, this is, especially of this era, mm-hmm. like, this is one of my absolute favorite horror films when, like, Insidious and all those movies were coming out. And, like, even Paranormal Activity, I didn't love, because that one felt, like, much more jump-scary. Yeah, but the interesting thing about the paranormal activity things is just how creative they are with, like, the camera work. Like, in mm-hmm. the second or third one where they put that camera on a fan, and just the simple way that builds tension by moving back and forth across the room, because fuck that camera. But, like, <laughs> yeah. it, it, the, that's what I appreciate about those movies, just how creative they were, you know? Yeah, yeah. And I, I will give them, like, credit to, like, the mm-hmm. marketing, like... Yeah, the, the, yeah, especially with that first one. Mm-hmm. Because yeah. It's, that's how it made its money. You yeah, know, just yeah. be like, this scared the shit out of these people in San Bernardino, you know? Mm-hmm. You want to be scared shitless? Yeah, <laughs> and honestly, I think that Paranormal Activity really changed, and like Paranormal Activity, and this is like in mm-hmm. the direct result of it, kind of changed how a lot of companies make horror films. Um, Blumhouse famously will just make a shit ton mm-hmm. of horror films, and they're like, yeah, we made all these movies for a couple million bucks. Yep. One of them's going to hit, and like, be our big success and make us $80 million. And that's going to cover like the 12 movies we made for a million bucks, even if the other 11 fail. It's a very much toss the peas at the wall and see what sticks sort of type. Yeah. And and then you get, and then, you know, from that, they'll every once in a while, they'll be like, okay, cool. This one stuck. Mm -hmm. Like, and now we have like a big franchise, you know? Yeah. It's a, it, Paranormal Activity kind of changed the game when it came to horror movies, just because it allowed a lot more of them to be made. Yeah, and I think it is one of these genres, and it's something I've talked about on the show before, where mm-hmm. it is a really good genre for, like, directors to get their feet wet, you know? Yeah. like Because it, it's, a lot of times it's cheap to make, mm-hmm. you don't have to get, like, the biggest name actors, but, like, people will be willing to do it. Yep. And so it's a really good training ground. You get, you see people like, obviously, Scott Derrickson, mm-hmm. Sam Raimi, both of the Doctor Strange directors, you know. Steven Spielberg's Steve- first movie, Duel, is a horror movie yeah. with trucks, basically. Yeah, yeah, it, yeah exactly. Like... You know, even, like, Peter Jackson, we've talked mm. about on the show, like, he came up doing all these, like, really cheap, bloody horror movies before yeah, he I'm, became the biggest director of all I've always been sad that Beautiful Creatures is, or whatever, his one about the murders in New Zealand is not available to watch anywhere with uh, Melanie Linsky and Kate Winslet. 
Okay. It's, I've yeah. always wanted to see it, but I just don't know how to find it. There's that's that's something that pisses like tangent, but like that's something that mm. pisses me off so much is that there are becoming less and less ways to like yeah. watch movies and physical media is becoming less available mm-hmm. and like there's things you like you said like Beautiful Creatures. I would love to see that too. Like just straight or up. Heavenly can't watch Creatures. It. Heaven, that's it. Heavenly two. Creatures. Yeah, heavenly Creatures. <laughs> Beautiful Creatures is like a is, YA book. Right. That one is not great. <laughs> but like, you know, something like The Baxter, you know, which mm. is like one of my favorite. It's one I wanted to cover on this plot, but we can't, you can't even get it. It's, yeah. You can't stream it. You can't rent it off Amazon or like how all these streaming services now mm-hmm. are pulling things off of their sites like Disney Plus and, and, just Max now, I guess. Like, yeah. are pulling a shit ton of things. Like, like there's that one Crater movie that was on Disney Plus that was like, a, it's about a bunch of kids on the moon or something. I don't okay. know. But it was on Disney Plus in like, it premiered in like May. Mm-hmm. And seven weeks later, when they started purging everything, they took it off. And there's no DVD. Yeah. So if you didn't watch it in that little less than two months mm-hmm. time, you're never going to see this movie. And you feel so bad for like all the creatives yeah. behind it, you know? And that's even if the movie comes out. Look at Batgirl, you know? Right, yeah. That's probably never going to see the light of day. And it's it's ridiculous. For I mean, I guess I understand wanting a tax write-off, but at the same time, you know, yeah. we're missing out on Michael Keaton as Batman and Brendan Fraser as Firefly. Yeah, oh whatever. my god, that sounds so fucking right? good, you know? Uh, but hey, you know, we got Blue Beetle and The Flash. And another season of that Sex in the City show. <laughs> And it's like, I don't think it's like, okay, it's like, a mo- it's like a movie from like 1914 that was destroyed in like a fire or something like that. It's like, okay, cool. But like, we, there's, we have these movies. There's no reason yeah. we should not be able to watch them. You just got to move it into the like, from one file to another yes, file. exactly. <laughs> oh, man. Well, before we wrap up, any, any thoughts on, on Sinister? Um, Last final thoughts? Don't watch snuff films. <laughs> okay, fair, fair. That seems to be like the main moral of this movie. We're <laughs> <laughs> moving to murder houses, you know. Yeah, don't don't move your family into a murder house, yeah. you know. But I feel like that should be common sense, you know. Yeah, yeah. At the very least. Yeah, and you know, if you're a writer like myself who loves your work, like thinks that's your legacy or something like that. Let that be your legacy. You don't have to have a family. <laughs> like, I'm sorry. Oh my god, you're really coming out as anti-kid here. <laughs> no, if you want to, honestly, if that's the if you want to have a family and have kids and stuff like that, go for it. Like that's that could be your legacy. Like I'll, my mom, she is an incredible mom. She's put so much of her life into being a mom. Like she loves it. But if you're like me and you're like, hey, I'm looking out for number one. Oh, okay. You're like, I want to be famous and have that sweet, Listen, sweet sweat. I'm too I mean, sick. it had patches on its sleeve, so I get Yeah, you. right, exactly. He's got those professor sleeves, even though yeah. he didn't want to be a professor. But, Which you know, I'm, I get, I'm too selfish. I'm too selfish to have a family. Sorry, Mom. I don't know. She thinks she's going to convince me at some point. But, um, but yeah. But, yeah, just, I think this is a great film that... It's, it's one of those movies where I think people... And I've tried intentionally not to kind of disrespect the horror... Film, and I think that the term elevated horror is one I don't like to use because it implies that like a lot of horror is just kind of like baseline or like not great. But this is and this feels like one of those films that would be like, yeah, like horror is a genre just like any other genre where you can write great characters, interesting backstory, have cool mythology, all that good stuff can exist in a horror movie. And it is no reason that and it does in plenty of them. And this is a really good example of that. Yeah. 
Horror tends to be one of the genres that's so easily dismissed. So it's mm-hmm. nice every once in a while when a very good one like this or Hereditary or Midsummer or Talk to Me and, you know, all those other ones mm-hmm. come out and people are like, you know what, maybe we should reevaluate horror mm-hmm. and not dismiss it offhand. Exactly. And maybe hopefully someday, you know, the Academy and all those people, um, you know. Yeah, I'm not going to hold my breath. <laughs> yeah. Like, you know, maybe one day Tony Collette for all of her horror work can finally get a nomination but, you know, fingers crossed. Yeah, I hope she, the next movie she does is a lighthearted comedy. <laughs> she, <laughs> she deserves a break. break. Yeah. yeah. Same with uh, Liam Cunningham. You know, I just saw Last Voyage of the Demeter. That guy, he needs a vacation. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. <laughs> that movie. Oh, mm-hmm. man. By the way, uh, people listening, I'm, I've, I've hinted at that I'm going on vacation. Uh, by the time this is out, I will have been on, already gone on vacation. But... I am. I did watch Last Voyage of the Demeter, and I am going. And I'm going on a cruise, and I'm going to record a review of it on the cruise. So there you go. <laughs> that feels like Very an appropriate place to do it. Yes, exactly. Try not to get eaten by a Dracula. The last voyage of the Carnival Panorama. I swear to God, if that pulls into Long Beach and it's just a ship full of dead people. I I don't know. I might say I told you so or something mean at your funeral, but like I'll be sad, so try not to die. I, okay, I appreciate that. <laughs> yeah. That's that's the mark of a true friend. Right. Someone who shows up and says, Well this fucking figure is at the funeral <laughs> and then, you know, it's just like pour some out for you. <laughs> thank you. Yeah, that's that's all I can ask. Well, Marion, thank you. Thank you for coming on. This is usually where I'd be like, Hey, do you wanna like pitch or throw anything? But you don't even you're not even like on social media, no. so I don't exist. Yeah. <laughs> I've been a figment of Derek's imagination the entire time. <laughs> oh no, I'm in the horror movie. It was me, I was the murderer. Whoa, wop wop. But yeah, thank you for me. It's, it's honestly, it's been really nice to like, you know, like I love when I get to talk to my friends out there who have podcasts and stuff like that, but it's also nice to just talk to somebody about a movie and not be like, hey, what, what, do, you, what, do, you, what do you got coming up? I have so. work tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But I do have things to pitch. I am a horrible person like that. No, not horrible. But, um... I, You're uh, not great. Yeah. We'll see. I'm not even Hawk. But, um... Yeah, check out... Uh, thank you guys for listening. Uh, check out all the stuff. Head to underratedmoviepodcast.com for all of the links. The Patreon, which is our new Patreon. Um, so we've got some new cool stuff. We're gonna be launching very soon a new podcast that is exclusive for patrons talking about sports movies uh, called Underdogs. The first episode is going to be about Marion's favorite subject, a baseball movie. Fuck that sport. No <laughs> offense to people who like baseball. It's boring. And it can theoretically never end. But baseball movies are always better than baseball. Because they have an end time. <laughs> yes, exactly. And then also check out the Instagram, all that other good stuff there. There's plenty, plenty on the website. Just go check it out. But until next time, guys, thank you all for listening. Have a good one. <laughs> <laughs>